but I've got to experience some very, very fun things there in Arizona. You know, how many of you uh, have ever bought a pair of jeans that were already worn? They had holes in them, or they had some, like, fake dirt on them. You guys ever bought a pair of jeans like that? Come on. Some of you are, like, ashamed to admit it. You're like... You know, it's interesting, it's funny, because like worn stuff has come into style. Like that's, that's what's cool now, right? And uh, it, it just became cool. And when I was a kid, we used to make mud pies and stuff and play in the dirt. And when I got an adult, it wasn't as cool anymore. And I wish that that, that was cool again. How many of you like making mud pies? <laughs> I try to be cool sometimes, too. Uh, I try to talk the lingo my daughter's talking. But the other day, she's talking to me, and she's like, Dad, I low-key like this thing. And I literally thought she was talking about the Avengers. <laughs> I was like... Loki? What does he have to do with this? But it's funny as, as trends are set, one of the trends is like dirtiness, dirt, not, not filth, but like a little bit of dirt on stuff. I like it when something has a little bit of dirt on it because I know I can trust it. I know it's been used, right? I know I can look at it and be like, oh, okay. And somebody used that. It worked out for them. So Lord willing, it's going to work out for me. And, uh, you know, brand new equipment always scares me because I'm like, did they, did they actually test this thing before I got a hold of it? Today, as we're talking about on mission, I'm going to be talking about the mission is muddy. And I want you to understand something. Dirt is not out of style. And dirt is not something we throw away. Dirt is something God wants to use in our lives. Look at your neighbor right now and say, I'm dirty. I'm dirty. You're going to turn with me to Proverbs 14.4 right now. Thank you so much. Just hold off on that for just a second, bud. So, Proverbs 14, 4, I want to just read this with you. Without oxen, a stable stays clean, but you need a strong ox for a large harvest. You know, it seems like a simple verse, and maybe your pastor's even preached on this before, but if you've ever had a barn, and it's nice and clean, and then you bring ox, or you bring cows into it, it gets dirty really, really fast, doesn't it? Okay? Uh, you know, how many of you have ever cleaned your house, and you're like, oh, it's perfect, and then the kids come home, and you're like, oh, you've ruined my house for me. Thanks a lot. <laughs> the church was actually perfect until all of you showed up, just so you know. Yeah. It, was, it was perfect until you got here this morning. But what you need to understand is we're talking about on mission is first and foremost, the mission is muddy and the mission, listen to me, the mission with that mud, with all that dirt and all that grime is not something we walk away from, but that grime equals ministry. When we see grime, when we see dirt, when we see stuff stirred up in the church, man, that equals ministry. How many of you dirt makes you uncomfortable? You got a little OCD in you. You're like, I can't stand it. If there's dirt, you're a germaphobe. A little bit, a little bit. Here's the deal with ministry. The mud in ministry, the mud that, that ministry creates and happens, it's not just part of it. We need to learn how to embrace that mud. We need to learn how to take that mud and not push it away, not, not walk away from it, not ignore it, but 
take it in. Uh, I think a lot of us don't understand what it means to be on mission because we're unwilling to get a little bit muddy. Uh, man, listen, this mud will muddy up your schedule. It will muddy up your ideals. It will muddy up your religion sometimes. Yeah. But this mud is the kind of mud we're after as a church. The mission is about the mud. Let me tell you a little story. So, Mike, uh, we had this young man. He came into our youth group, and he stole somebody's phone, right? And uh, he, uh, we discovered the phone was missing. I knew he had taken it. So I go to find him after, after youth group, and I'm driving around the neighborhood, and I see him standing there in a the parking lot, and he's got the phone in his hand. So I run up, and I, I jump out of my car. I got my wife and kids with me. I jump out of my car. Keyshawn, give me the phone. He drops it in his pocket really quick, slides down. And everybody that's around him goes running. It's the cops! And they just run all, all different directions. I'm telling you, in my neighborhood, because I am so white, uh, I've had a hard time even passing out flyers for events. People jump in bushes and try to avoid me. And it's ice. And so, but anyway, they all run away from him. And this, this boy is standing there. And I said, you, you give me that phone back right now. You give me that, and he's like, I don't have your phone, I don't have your phone. I was like, you like to steal? And I had one of those like flesh moments, so I grabbed his bike, and I was like, cool, your bike's mine. How do you like being stole from? And I walk off. Don't judge me, okay? I was just mad at the time. And I walk off with his bike. Kid's like, what? And I was like, then give me the phone, and he wouldn't give it to me. I get in my car, and my son is saying, yeah, that kid needs to go to juvie. That kid needs to go to juvie. And my daughter's crying. And she says, you don't know his home life. You don't know what, what happened to him. And, and, uh, we got like this like total dichotomy in our family. And here's the thing though. When we get into ministry, we have ideals. We have ways that we think things should be. And the way we think we should treat treat people and the way we think people should come to Jesus, but it's not all that clean. It's not all that easy all the time. Sometimes people come all messed up. They're still strung out. Man, they still got issues. Their marriages still fall apart. They still got problems, but we embrace their problems and say, hey, let me tell you something. This Jesus guy is the answer you're looking for. Everything changes when you come to Jesus. I want to show you guys a little analogy I use with our church a lot, and uh, hopefully this kind of illustrates what I'm talking about, but I want you to imagine for a second, you've got this stool right here, okay? This stool could be anything in your life, and, and you come to this stool, and you like this stool. It's, it's kind of an uncomfortable stool, to tell you the truth. It's, it's not really practical, but it's my stool. I've always had this stool. I want to keep this stool in my life. Now, I come to church with my stool, and someone comes up to me and says, Joe, that stool is going to kill you. And I go, what? Get this stool away from me. Whew, I'm glad that stool's gone. But then a little time goes by, and I start being like, man, I don't even have anything to sit on now. I have nothing in front of me. You know, that stool, at least it was my stool. At least it was mine. So I go back and I grab my stool again. I'm like, whew, at least I got the stool again. But see, the way that we preach Jesus in our church, the way we, we try to get people to change is not by pointing out the stool. We work like this. Hey, I know you love that stool. I know you've always had that stool in your life. But have you ever tried a sofa? Uh, <laughs> 
what's a sofa? It's like three stools in one. It's got cushion on it. And it, it reclines. What? You're kidding me. Where do I get a sofa? Joe, the sofa's right behind you. And what we do, rather than focusing on the stool anymore, we turn and walk towards the sofa. So I'm not focused on, got to get rid of the stool, got to get rid of the stool. I'm focused on how awesome the sofa is. So what we preach is how awesome Jesus is, how great he is. We don't focus on their mud and their mess right up front. We focus on the master and the one that changes them and the one that brings restoration to them. Man, because listen, I don't believe it's my job to point the stool out. It's my job to point Jesus out and the stool will not be a problem. Can I get an amen today? For those of you that are struggling to change something in your life, stop focusing on the mud and the mess. Start focusing on the, the Lord Jesus, the master, man, the one who can take that problem away, but he doesn't want to just take it away. He wants to give you an answer. He wants to give you a new stool, man, something better in your life. Look at somebody right now and say, I want something better than the stool. I want something better. So the mud equals ministry. When I see mud, I know there's ministry going on. I love this quote by Bob Goff. It says, God makes people, people make issues, but people are not issues. Yeah. See, we meet people sometimes in church and man, they become the issue. Oh, they're, they're a problem. Man, we focus on them, them, them. But listen, they are people that God made, and the issues are meant to be, man, pushed out of their life by Jesus, not by you, not by, by you hounding them, but by you loving them to Jesus and saying, look how big Jesus is. Look how great Jesus is. Look at your neighbor right now and say, I love Jesus. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. It says, Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. Just look at that picture for a second. He was just dust. He was just a bunch of dust. Nothing formless, didn't have a mind, just a bunch of dust. But then what happens is God enters the scene and he takes what is just dust and he infuses it with his spirit. And what was dust takes on life and becomes something incredible with destiny again. I want you to understand something because there, there's dirt in people's lives all over the place. There's dirt that we all struggle with, dirt that, man, but God, when he enters the dirt, man, he begins to do something. I want to show you this right now. So we got some dirt here. And it's just dirt right now. Kind of useless. And what God does is he comes in with this spirit, and he begins to pour out his spirit into that dirt. And now go ahead and start stirring it up. And what was just dirt, when God first meets someone's life, oftentimes becomes mud. Come on, you, you think Jesus enters and everything's like golden, right? Sometimes when Jesus enters, it becomes muddy. Yeah. 
it gets a little worse sometimes. If you're going to be on mission, you better just understand that people don't come to Jesus as easy as you think they do or the way you think they do. Sometimes they come in and things get worse for them. Sometimes they come in and things fall apart for them. Sometimes they come in and their family abandons them. And man, it gets a little more muddy. Gets a little more problematic. See, a lot of times in the church, when it doesn't go according to the picture, we'll just be like, we need to go get a different story. Something's wrong with that one. (laughs) Something's wrong with that one. Let's just erase that one. But let me tell you something. That mud, let, let me show you what happens to mud. See, mud, when you take it and you begin to pack it, you begin to use it, it goes through a thing called the firing process. How many of you have ever been through the fire in your life? How many of you ever experienced the fire in your life? Come on. How many of you ever thought, it's so hot, this is going to kill me? The fire hits our life. See, in our natural tendency, when we feel fire, we run from fire. Our natural tendency is to go, oh my goodness, it's getting too hot. I need to get out of this uncomfortable situation. But God is saying, hold still for a second. Don't get so squirmy because the mud has to hit the fire in order to become what is buildable and usable, a big giant brick right here. Now, this is what God does. He takes the dirt, infuses his spirit, then takes it through the fire and makes it a brick, and then he builds his kingdom out of bricks. See, the kingdom of God is not built on perfect people. It is not built on lives that are already transformed. It's built on muddy people that go through the fire and let God make them a brick. You know, Jesus, when he met Peter, he looked at Peter, and his name was Simon at the time. He says, no, your name's not Simon. Your name's Peter. You're the rock. He saw a brick in him. He saw a rock in him. And he said, upon this rock, I will build my church. But how many know Simon was pretty messed up? How many know Simon was pretty muddy? How many got a little Simon inside of you? When he met Jesus, he was no rock. He was, in fact, we see it when Jesus gets crucified. He runs for the hills, denies Jesus three times. But see, Jesus, when he looks at us, when he looks at people, he looks at them and he sees this. And he says, I want to build my kingdom out of that. And church, if we're going to be on mission, we got to learn how to grab the dirt, get the spirit of God to them connect them with Jesus, man, and then let the process begin to take place. Man, begin to walk with them through it and say, God, God's going to use you. He's going to use you to build this kingdom and speak that into them. Just look at your neighbor right now and say, you're just a giant brick. (laughs) You're just a giant brick. I use this scripture But I think it's so true. I used the scripture on Friday and I'm going to use it today. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, it says, Each time Paul begging God to take his problem away. Paul begging God to take his dirt away. Paul asking God, please, this is a thorn in the flesh. Please just stop it, God. Stop it, God. And God answers him. I don't know about you. Has God ever answered you something you didn't like? Like you ask him something and, and he answers you and you're like, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> right? Am I the only one that's ever felt that? Like you're upset when God answers you? 
Hold on one second. And God answers him each time. He says, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. Your weakness, your dirt. Do you know your dirt is valuable to God? Your dirt is crucial to his kingdom being built. He's not trying, listen, he's not trying to get us all perfect. He's trying to get us to use the dirt for his glory. He's trying to get us to use that problem, man, and say, man, I'm weak in this area. God, be strong in this area for me and take it to him and allow him to make a brick out of it. You know, I think in church sometimes we, we have this tendency to hide our dirt. We come in with our dirt behind our back. Hey, amen, brother. Let's get into worship today. Hey. You know what's interesting? That pastors are not excluded from that. We sometimes in an effort to minister, man, we'll throw our dirt behind our back. I, oh, okay, just don't look at that part of my life. Don't, don't worry about that part of my life. Oh, I don't want to talk about that part of my life. Am I the only one in the room that's ever had that area? And you're like, just hope nobody finds this little dirt right here. Hope nobody realizes that dirt exists. But see, Jesus came not so you could hide the dirt, but so you could pull it out from behind your back and say, God, use this thing for your kingdom. Come on, just put your hand out in front of you and say, I want to show off my dirt, my weakness. Come on, I want to show it off today in Jesus' name. The mud. The mud. Just say this with me, the mud equals the message. Turn with me to a very familiar story here in John chapter 8, verses 4 through 11. John chapter 8, verses 4 through 11. Pharisees, the teachers, they bring this lady to Jesus, trying to trap him. They expose her mud. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? And she says, no, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I go and sin no more. What a beautiful, beautiful story. It's a powerful story. It's also a peculiar story. Because every time I read it, I wonder, why in the world did the Pharisees all leave? Yes, he said, he who has no sin, but they were pretending like they didn't have sin before. Why didn't they keep pretending like they didn't have sin now? And, and Jesus does something. He, he kneels down, and he begins to scribble or write in the dirt. Just write something in the dirt. I, I have my own ideas of what maybe went on in this. And, uh, man... You, you, can, you can look at it different ways. Maybe he just scribbled. Maybe he's drawing Mickey Mouse or something in there. I don't know. 
Maybe he was bored with the conversation and he was like, go away, please. <laughs> but I think Jesus may have done something like this. I think he sat down in the dirt and I think he began to write something very meaningful. Maybe it went something like this. It was maybe the sins of the people around him went something like this, like Sarah, 02 AD, 8 AM. And the guy's like, I'm going to go now. Maybe he wrote something like this, like, back of the horse carriage, 2 a.m. Tuesday. Now the guy's like, ooh, I'm going hey, see you guys later. <laughs> Write something down. Hey, cheated on your taxes. Now the guy's like, uh-oh. See, it's interesting to me because it went from oldest to youngest. You know, the old guys, man, as soon as he wrote something about them, he's like, if he knows that, he knows the other stuff. I better get out of here. <laughs> he's like, uh. They just took off. And then the young guys are like, he got nothing on me. Come on. You know, the cocky young guys are like, ah, I don't even care. So what? I don't have any dirt. Oh, never mind. <laughs> I mean, you ever come to church like that? You're like, oh, can you believe what so-and-so did? And then you're like, oh, never mind. Holy Spirit reminds you of your own weakness. See, he kneels down. He begins to write this message. He begins to write this message. And I, I thought, man, Jesus could have taken that lady and just walked away. But he was writing a message to her, too. Because here's the deal, I don't think that Jesus just knelt down and wrote a little word in there for the guys standing around, but he was writing the biggest message to this lady who had fallen, who was broken, who, man, whose life had not worked out the way she wanted it to. I'm sure she didn't plan to commit adultery. She didn't wake up as a little girl and be like, I can't wait till I cheat on my husband. This wasn't the desires of her heart. She was caught in it. She was stuck in it. I want to talk to somebody today who's ever been caught in something they didn't want to be involved in. Man, you got caught in a sin. You got caught in a situation. If you're in this room today, I want you to know you have hope because he's writing a message in the mud today. And he kneels down. And he begins to write. And I think he wrote a message to her too that said this. He, maybe it said something like this, he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. Maybe he wrote something like this, those who are in Christ are a new creation. Man, whatever message he wrote, and he wrote this message to her, and he used the mud to write the message. Come on, somebody, you got to get that today. Man, because... The devil loves to use your mud against you. 
He loves to use your mud to stop you from getting in the mission. He likes to get you bogged down in mud. How many of you ever been driving your truck and you got a wheel stuck in the mud? And man, no matter how hard you accelerated, it got deeper and it got worse. And then man, you got more stuck and more stuck. But Jesus is writing you a message today. He's saying, listen, it might look muddy, but I'm telling you, I work all things together for good for those who are in Christ Jesus. I am able, I am able, I want to talk to some people today that the mission has fallen apart in your hand because you made a mistake. Because, man, maybe you're living life a way you know you shouldn't be living life, and God is coming to you today. And he's not pointing out your problem, your issue, man, your brokenness. He's saying, do you know I got a message for you today that I can still use you. I can still use you. Look at somebody next to you and just say, you're usable. You're usable. You're usable. That muddy message. That muddy message. I want to talk to you now about another story. A good Samaritan. Many of you have heard the story of the good Samaritan, right? How many heard the story of the good Samaritan? You got, you got three, you got four guys that are involved in this story. One guy, he falls into some trouble. Gets beat up, bloodied up, messed up. He was just on his way and things went bad. You ever been in a situation like that? You just, you found yourself just beat up. Somebody jumped you on Facebook. Somebody jumped you on Instagram. Man, your whole world fell apart. You're laying there just, oh. Maybe you're that guy in this story. Or maybe you're one of the other guys in the story like the priest who was busy on his way, didn't want to stop. He was important. He had important religious things to do. Come on, church. How many ever sped your way and cut people off on your way to church? You got to, I got to, I can't miss my worship time. Get out the way. I'm going to church today. Come on. Get in the car, kids. Right now. Come on. We're late. <laughs> World's falling apart. People are getting offended all around you. And Thank God I made it to church today. <laughs> but here's the thing. Your goal in life is not to make it to church. Your goal is to be the church. Your, your goal, your mission is to be the church, not make it to church, not fill a pew. But your goal is to fill people's lives with the love of Jesus that changes them. Come on, somebody. That priest and that Levite, they had issues. Then there was a beautiful man in this story, the Samaritan. Jesus intentionally says it's a Samaritan because Samaritans and Jews did not interact. They were not friends. They were kind of arch enemies. The Jews disregarded the Samaritans as people that thought they could worship God but really weren't qualified. The Samaritans disregarded the Jews as people that worship God in the wrong place. But this Samaritan's riding along on his donkey.
riding up on his donkey, and he notices this guy laying on the side of the road. He could have just been like, hey <laughs> He could have been like, oh, that's a juicy. He deserves that. You got what you deserved. But he pulled the reins back, and he did something spectacular. He got off his donkey. He got off his donkey. He got off his donkey. Oh, you teased that up. Oh, my. Some of you need to get up off your donkey and get in the mud. You need to let Jesus use you and stop riding around, sitting around on your donkey all day. Come on. If it was my church, I'd say the right word for this. I won't, I won't cause J.O. a bunch of emails today. <laughs> the donkey. See, we all got our donkey we sit on. Our donkey that keeps us comfortable, that keeps us busy. Our donkey, man, we all got it. Your donkey could be a heavy schedule. Your donkey could be a financial issue. See, sometimes donkeys, they're, they're problems we ride on, and they're our excuse to keep going. I, I can't right now. I can't right now. Keep going. Keep going. Come on, donkey. Faster. Time for us, for us to reach and, and get on mission, man. That person at work comes by you that drives you crazy. They're having a bad day. Instead of reaching out and saying, can I pray for you? You're like, get on my donkey. Ha! Away from them. Get behind me, Satan. You got issues. You got what you deserved. <laughs> See, some of you are like, oh, I've said that. Shoot. But he got off his donkey. And he got down in the dirt. And he got down in the mud. He knelt down. And man, he begins to bandage his wounds. See, when I read this story, it kind of makes me freak out because I'm a germaphobe. I'm like, he did what? <laughs> I'm imagining blood everywhere. I'm like, I can't do that. It, it, as a youth pastor here, I remember one time uh, we're having youth camp and we're going to the youth camp. Uh, there's like the play area. There's this big old tarp that we'd all play. There's games on and we're going there. This girl falls next to me and skins her knee. It splits open. And I'm like, let me get somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get somebody for you. How many of us do that to people, though? Let me, get some, let me get the pastor for you. Hold on one second. Let me, let me get someone that knows the word a little better than I do. Let me get, just get off your donkey and get in the mud and help somebody. Man, get off. Stop worrying about what you do and don't have. Stop worrying about how hard it might be and scary it might be. Get off your donkey. Get in that mud and help them. And then he pours wine on him. I love that because wine kind of is for, it was his comfort. It was, was going to help ease his own pain. 
as he's riding around on this donkey. They're not very comfortable. Wine was, it wasn't so he could get drunk. It was like, oh, I got some aches. I'm going to drink some wine. That's what they would do. And he's giving up what helped him so he could help somebody else. He's giving it up. For, Here, take this wine. I, I brought it for me, but I realize it's for you. See, we bring our big old glass, our chalice. Fill me up, Jesus. And you take it. Mm. Fill me up again, Jesus. And Jesus is like, could you give somebody else some wine today? Could you give somebody else some wine today? Come on. Look at somebody right now and say, I got to give some wine away. I got to give some wine away. And then this man, after bandaging his wounds, this is what's so beautiful. He takes him, picks him up, and the donkey he used to sit on, he puts this man on. What he used to use as an excuse is now the vehicle to help someone else. What he used to sit around on has now become the thing that he's lifting someone else with. See, our goal in church is not to see people in the mud, identify their mud, and tuck them out. But it's to get down and say, here, take my hand, take my comfort, take my time, take my, and let me lift you up onto my donkey. Let me lift you up. And then he takes them, and he, he gives them a place to stay. And then he, out of his own riches, man says, hey, here's some money. Take care of this guy. Anything he needs. See, here's one of the keys with helping people who are in the mud and staying on mission. It's not simply dropping a touch card on their lap. It's walking through life and saying, man, I'm going to see you to your destiny. I'm going to see. We got a saying at our church. We, our, our saying is we love people. We want to see them fully fulfill their God-given destiny, and we know this only happens through Jesus Christ. See, it's not just loving people, it's walking them to their destiny. Man, standing with them, seeing it through, giving out of yourself and saying, man, I want to see you fully fulfill your God-given destiny. That's the tough part. Because when they're not well, they take a lot of work. <laughs> when they're not healthy, they're, they're pretty reliant on you. They might call you in the middle of the night crying and out of their mind and need you to pray for them. Or they, they may come to the altar to get saved 18 times in one week. Wow. They just keep getting. But you got to stand with them every time and say, man, I want to see you reach your God-given destiny. I want to see you become the brick that Jesus is designing you to be and become everything. Listen, now we're going to move to our last point here. The worship team wants to come on up. So awesome to see Seth leading worship, man. I remember when this guy was with a pink guitar. <laughs> Hot pink guitar. Can I just tell on myself for a second? So he's got this beautiful box now. He moved it for a reason. Because when I was his youth pastor, he bought his first one. It was about this big. I danced on it and broke it. <laughs> he's like, not today. <laughs> he moved it over here. <laughs> Would you just stand to your feet with me? I want to have some ministry time right here. If you could just stay in this room and in this atmosphere.
I believe that Jesus wants to do some things in our hearts. Man, he wants to awaken us to some muddy people around us. And here's the awesome thing. I think some people in this room, you may feel a little too muddy to be used, but God wants to break that off of you today. He wants to break that off of you today. Another famous story, y'all know, the prodigal son. A prodigal son takes his inheritance from his dad, goes out, spends it all on wild living. And there's a moment in the story where he comes to his senses. But he didn't come to his senses standing in the temple. He didn't come to his senses, listen, he didn't come to his senses in a good circumstance. He was in the mud and he came to his senses. He woke up and he goes, whoa. Wow, what a word. This mud is not what my daddy intended for me. This mud is not what he designed me to live in. I remember a day when I lived in great places. My dad's servants are better off than this. I believe there's some people here today. God wants to bring you to your senses and let you know the place he designed you to live and dwell is not in the mud anymore. He's calling you out. He's bringing you to your senses today. He's bringing you back to your senses today. Every eye closed right now. Listen, I want you to know something. You don't walk out of the mud. Jesus brings you out of the mud. Jesus, God's son, the Messiah, the one that you heard your pastor talk about. Man, he, he died on the cross so he could remove your mud. He went to the grave so that he could take that mud and make it meaningful again. And his message to you that he writes in the mud today is very loud and clear because he yelled it out on the cross. He says, it is finished. Man, listen, you may think you can never get out of it. It 